Super so, super so. What is a shah? Kind of animal? Cat. 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 Okay. So this is the step of the cat. Welcome to Language and Culture with Dr. J. I am Dr. J. We are brought to you by Kulturium.com in affiliation with Quadel Books and Events. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a thumbs up whenever you like what we're doing. This episode is entitled The Fabulous Crescendo Conservatory and my main guest today is Michelle Hamlet-Vite. Michelle is the founder and co-owner of the Crescendo Ballet and Dance Conservatory located in Overland Park, Kansas. Michelle is trained in classical ballet and was a principal dancer and a member of the Kansas City Ballet Company. At the Crescendo Conservatory, Michelle and her fellow instructors pass on their knowledge and expertise to the next generation of dancers. But what makes this conservatory and Michelle Hamlet-Veit so special is how she approaches teaching dance. She is technical and precise and tough, but she keeps it fun and makes it exciting and takes the dancers on an adventure full of explanations of the terminology and the history and the feeling and the significance of this art form. But without further ado, here is my interview with Michelle Hamlet-Veit. Good morning, Dr. J. My name is Michelle <laughs> Hamlet-Wythe, and we are sitting here in my school, Crescendo Conservatory, Overland Park, Kansas, smack in the heart of America. And I am so honored to be interviewed today. Oh, thank, the, you, for, thank you for agreeing to do the interview. Well, you and your podcasts are very impressive, so I'm, I'm feeling um, that I'm breathing rarefied air this morning. Aww, so thank nice. you. Thank you. Um, my school is... Uh, a classical conservatory. We train our dancers by syllabus. So um, we have all classical training in ballet, point, jazz, contemporary. We also offer classes for the recreational dancers in tap and hip hop. And we have an absolutely outstanding student body with some of the most beautifully supportive parents imaginable. So it's a very wonderful place to be, and uh, and we're glad that you're here. And as a matter of fact, we're glad that you have joined us in some of our classes. Absolutely. You yourself are very impressive as oh. a dancer, so thank you. <laughs> um, I, I live in Kansas City. I was born here in Kansas City. Um, but kind of via post-World War II, my mother met my father, who was an American officer. And uh, he was from Kansas City, William Hamlet. And my mother, Josette Peters, was Dutch and Flemish, and they fell madly in love. I got goosebumps. Married, moved here to Kansas City, and uh, were married for a little over 10 years before I came along. They traveled a great deal. They were both avid travelers. And uh, my father introduced my mother to the United States, and they hit nearly all of the states at the time um, on the contiguous um, continent. So, um, you know, they felt now they could settle down and start a family after they had seen everything, and, uh, and Josette had a, a good feeling for her new home. Uh, so when I came along, I was a highly active child, and my mother was in desperation 
uh, calling dance studios <laughs> to see who could take this two-and-a-half-year-old. Two-and-a-half. You started dance with two-and-a-half. I started at two-and-a-half, and, and I was absolutely hooked. It was absolutely where I needed to be. And uh, I was something of an enfant terrible when it came to leaving the dance school. Uh, my father would have to throw me over his shoulder, kicking and screaming. <laughs> Honestly, every class after, every class I took, um, from age two and a half through age five, my father had the patience of a saint. <laughs> so, were, you, um, were you an only child? No, no. I have a brother who is six years younger, and, uh, and he also danced. So um, we, we were kind of a, a dance-loving family. We were very musical. My, my uh, mother sang, played the piano beautifully. Uh, I actually had an uncle who um, sang Wagnerian uh, opera oh, wow. in Germany and Austria and Switzerland. And, uh, and my father what was, was his name or what Hans Gut. Wow. Um, and so, yes, Uncle Hans was, was quite the passionate opera singer and, and Wagner and Wagner, I know, and Wagner. So we grew up with really wonderful music in our household, extremely, an extremely eclectic mix of, I mean, my brother and I, I'm skipping around here, but my brother and I woke up every morning to classical music. And, uh, and so we were steeped in it. Um, my mother had two sisters still in Europe, uh, her youngest sister, Marcia, stayed in the Netherlands and made her home in Maastricht, where my cousins live now. And, uh, and um, the middle sister, my mother was the eldest, the middle sister, France, um, moved to Paris. And she um, had an amazing lifestyle with an exceedingly cultural uh, group of friends. Her husband, Robert Stoetzner, was the um, company pianist for the Royal Danish Ballet. Oh. Uncle Robert was Danish. Uh, so they had a beautiful home in Denmark. They had a lovely little cabana in Ibiza and an apartment in Paris. So, like I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm skipping around everywhere, but um, our, our youth, our upbringing, was really kind of, of dreamlike. Um, but I, I'll go back to Kansas City if you're wanting to hear about please, my, please, please my history. Uh, so we we moved from Missouri to Kansas, and I moved dance studios that kind of did everything, the tap, the ballet, the jazz. And when I was 12 years old, um, my parents moved me to the conservatory at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, where Tatiana Dokudovska was the, uh, was the head mistress, we'll say, and she founded the Kansas City Ballet, and she also founded the dance major at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. She was uh, a former member of the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo, American Ballet Theater, and the Sadler's Wells companies. Uh, she was one of the most determined women I have ever met in my life, and she was absolutely one who formed me in so many ways as, as not just a, a dancer, a performer, an artist, but as a human being. She was she was remarkable, and uh, and all of these these women who had been affected by World War II, and and uprooted my mother, my great aunt, Tatiana, all had such such stories of courage and bravery and and endurance and and it was 
really, they are my icons to, to be able to, to come up to what they lived through and then moved to another country and built amazing lives is, is just inspiration to me constantly. So I studied from age 12 through my college years at the conservatory and danced for the Kansas City Ballet. Did that mean living there at the conservatory? Or, or no. You lived no, at the, home? I lived at home and took classes. Uh, we were commuters. So it wasn't this internat, this... this no, no, we were, we were not residents at the university. Um, but, I, I mean, I would have had that option as a university student and company member to live on campus, but I lived at home. It wasn't far, so I was still mm -hmm. commuting. But I danced through the 1970s with the Kansas City Ballet under Tatiana's uh, guidance and um, absolutely loved all of the choreographers that came in and, and set wonderful ballets. And now, you know, to, to know that we dancers in Tatiana's era were the ones that laid the groundwork for the phenomenal company we have now it's it's just again it's inspirational. I, I live I live inspired on a daily basis and it's wonderful. Absolutely. Would you mind mentioning some of the choreographers you worked with? Yes. Let's see. We worked with George Skibin. We worked with many. I will say many choreographers that were uh, allowed to set works by George Balanchine that were with the New York City Ballet. Um, we worked with uh, Janis Landowskis, who was from Latvia, who then at the time uh, was with the Ruth Page Company in Chicago, and he is now the uh, artistic director of the uh, National Ballet of Hawaii. <laughs> so from Latvia to Hawaii, it's quite, quite, quite a distance. Another international story. Another international story, you know, coming through the Midwest. Um, we worked with Vladimir Dokodovsky, Tatiana's brother, who is a renowned choreographer in Europe, in Poland, and of course in New York, where he had a very successful conservatory himself. Uh, we had guest artists, Patricia McBride, Jean-Pierre Bonafou, uh, Peter Martins, uh, Kay Mazo, many, many famous dancers came and, and would guest artists and give master classes so that we could grow as artists. Tatiana was always bringing in people from everywhere. So what was your favorite character that you interpreted? You know, I had some, <laughs> I had some favorites, uh, and they were not necessarily the heroine. Uh, it was kind of fun to play a villain and oh, to play the darker uh -huh. character or to play something with, it, I don't, a weightier uh, personality. Not to say that the heroine is not, is not weighty, but I kind of liked having a little of an edge in some performances, and uh, and so I was Gertrude in Hamlet, oh. and and had an amazing time uh, with that role. Um, I think in in you know the Nutcracker, which is a, a staple for holiday everywhere <laughs> around the world. Um, I I enjoyed. I danced many of the roles in the Kingdom of Sweets, uh, but my favorite was the Snow Queen. After that, Arabian. And then I danced Sugar Plum Fairy, which was really very delightful. The Grand Pas de Deux was, was challenging and amazing. But Snow Queen was, was my favorite, which is, you know, it's, it's a little heavier role. And, oh goodness, in Ravel's Bolero. Oh, oh. In Ravel's Bolero, we did choreography by oh. Eric Hurst. And, um, and I, I have to say, I'm, 
I, I'm not really bragging. I was just cast in this, but I got you the, just brightened uh, up. I'm just kidding. Kidding. Oh my god! It was Your gestures it just was became. just it was it was that music. First of all, sets me on fire. Ravel is one of my absolute favorite choreographers, and um, and uh, choreographers, uh, composers, Perfect. and and so when it was announced that we were dancing bolero, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, just just let me stand and I'll just stand in the back and move to this. I mean, whatever <laughs> you give me to do will be amazing, and uh, and I ended up as like the the grand pas de deux in it, um, coming in toward the end with the music that was more of the crescendo. And I still, I still remember the leaps and the turns, and the partnering was exquisite, and uh, and the audience enjoyed it. The audience was on fire, so that was that was a fantastic memory. Um, also, goodness, Carlos Carvajal came from the San Francisco Festival Ballet and set another Ravel piece, Le Tombeau de Couperin, and it was it was absolutely beautiful. Um, our title for the Kansas City Ballet was Eurydice. And the costuming was all the range of the, the rainbow, oh. and and it was it was visually exquisite, and the choreography was so romantic, exquisite. So yes, I mean, great memories, great memories. I have many more, but you don't have three days for this oh, interview. Oh, I would. I wish I would. <laughs> After the podcast, I'll okay. just get <laughs> good. I'll be a fly on the wall. Um, as a dancer, how do you pick your characters? How do, how do you judge the, the quality of the characters? Is it the difficulty of the choreography? Is it the emotional uh, difficulty of interpreting the character? Is it the music? Is it? Oh, it's all of that, all Dr. Of J. It's all of that. <laughs> it is. It's, it's uh, you know, first off, I mean, if the music is moving, I respond to music. You know, like I said, my brother and I woke up every morning to classical music of, of one ilk or another. I mean, it was never the same. And, and, uh, and so it was always something new. Every day was new. So music started us off. And, uh, and my brother is a percussionist, quite accomplished, um, although he is actually an executive at AT&T right now. But um, he's... <laughs> uh, but yes, we were both as very musical go. as <laughs> life goes, right? And, uh, and so... Um, the music inspired me, and we were always uh, in audition for roles. As choreographers would come in, the entire company auditioned. We were a repertory company, so it wasn't like we necessarily had principal dancers, soloists, corps de ballet, that if you fit a role, if you suited a role temperamentally or physically for a choreographer, you were cast. So we were always challenged in those auditions to, to present ourselves at our best, um, and then it was completely up to the choreographer's vision as to how things were cast. So the cast list would go up, and we would start, you know, learning the choreography. And and I do, I mean, I have to say, I was very, very happy with, with how I was cast 99% of the time. Uh, but I was an extremely athletic dancer, you know, it, it was... Uh, I, I, I never hesitated to throw my body into something 100%, and I did spend a lot of time on the ground as a result <laughs> until I worked it out. Uh, but but I did. I loved it, and, and I loved the physicality of it. Of course, being a child that was two and a half years old and couldn't stop moving, I was in my element. 
um, how was it? How were, was there a lot of competition? Was there a lot of um, animosity? Was there a lot of... Uh... Oh, there was competition. Absolutely, there was a lot of competition. Because, you know, I mean, we had to audition for every role we danced. Um, there was competition, but we were a fairly competent company. And we all, I think, recognized each other's strengths. And, um, you know, we were individually, we're our own worst competition. But there was, I felt, a very healthy competition during the time that I was with the Kansas City Ballet. I can't speak for any other eras. Uh, but many of us are like family now. And we stay in touch. Our children have grown up together. I mean, we were a, an extremely close-knit group um, as dancers. And we truly have gone through the last 40 years in touch with each other. And it has been amazing, truly amazing. Was it also an international group? Yes, we had, we had one of our, our other dancers, uh, Deborah Shore, was from Venezuela. And we had, uh, yes, we, just, we had a number of dancers whose families were Italian, French, Danish, British, and, and they all ended up back in the 70s in Kansas City. And, and I've noticed that, that, that Kansas City has this international flair. So let's stay with mm -hmm. that a little bit. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit more about the conservatory and um, where your students come from, how international the families are? That, that, that oh, goodness. Well, here at Crescendo Conservatory, um, we feel that dance is for everyone that it is not exclusive to certain uh, religious choices to any kind of, um, I will say, um, ethnic groups, that because we are a classical dance conservatory here at Crescendo, that everyone is welcome to come and, and learn this fabulous tradition and discipline and, and so we do, we have families that are, we have Hispanic families, we have African-American families, we have East Indian families, we have um, American born and raised families, we have some amazing blended families. And, um, and these children, like I, I said earlier in the interview, we have delightful children in our classes. And I always say that starts at home. And so we see the children come into our classes and we know how they are being raised. We have very supportive, very, uh, um, very positive families here at Crescendo Conservatory. And, you know, we, we are, like I say, I mean, we are not, we are not competition. So um, the kind of, of classes that we hold are very focused and uh, in that classical vein, and we are very strict here. We love what we do, um, but the dancers are truly learning this art form, and, and we're very proud of that. Does the international character of your student body influence the type of music you pick or the choreographies you pick? No, not necessarily. Uh, if you're in classes with me, there's a lot of Chopin that is played. And, uh, and Chopin is played around the world. <laughs> if, you take a, if, you are, if you are trained classically, you can take a class, because everything is in the French vocabulary, right? Thank you, 
Louis the Fourteenth, and uh, and so yeah, (laughs) he's the father of ballet. I can give you that. It's amazing. We share that with our students that history, so that they understand that there is a history, and it's not just Miss Michelle or one of the other faculty members saying do this, do that. That we are following a grand tradition, and that ballet was created for royalty. So that's why we carry ourselves as royalty in a ballet class. Um, you know, so, so that is, it's, it is part of our DNA as dancers. And we do share that with our students. And we expect to see that reflected in their movement. And we get amazing results. Uh, but no, the, the music that we choose is not really based on that. Because if you're taking a class in, in Asia, you're taking a class in Europe, you're taking a class in South America, you're taking a class, you know, it's going to be to classical music. But you don't mm. do, um, I know you also um, teach creative uh, movement classes yes. and jazz classes, etc. Right. Do you do any music from uh, various oh, countries absolu- around the world? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, the uh, whatever inspires our instructors to to teach, because there are so many different hip-hop, for genres. Example. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's all sorts of amazing Chinese Latin hip hop music, and yes, we do that. I mean, dancers. Well, in some of my classes, they will dance to uh, music with French lyrics. I know in other classes, it's been to Spanish, to Korean, Chinese, you know, Japanese. It just depends. And how does mid? Well, even though your student body is international, you still you're still in the heart of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, you you still have a Kansas uh, a student base. How does a typically mainstream American Kansan react to all of a sudden doing choreography to Korean music, Fine. for example? They're great with it. The audiences, I mean, when we do recital, the audience members want to know where we got our music. And of course, we always post the artist and the name of the piece, and we will have parents, you know, buying that music, going to Spotify, going to iTunes, you know, and and purchasing that music because they're like, we've never heard this. This is amazing. And we do have uh, fabulous recitals. And that's also what I think with Kansas City being so international. People are really open. There's a preconception that Kansas is cornfields and people are kind of set in their The Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. That's right. Everybody, everybody's being sort of taken up by a tornado uh-huh. uh, um, on these plains <laughs> and uh, on the prairie. Uh, but, but there is uh, such interest and uh, so much acceptance of internationality as well. well uh, Kansas, Kansas City Citians are really curious about well, there, it's becoming culture. absolutely it's becoming much more cosmopolitan, and the art scene here, and and it really is. We've had a serious in the last fifteen years, an amazing renaissance with with building new theaters and building for the opera and building for the ballet and and building you know I mean for for the symphony, fantastic, and it's been really you know it's been growing, but then over the last fifteen years it has been explosive here, and. Any night of the week, you can hear fantastic classical music, Kansas City jazz music, great vocalists, amazing, I mean, just amazing dance, opera, it's, it's everywhere. And now, as Kansas Cityans, we have to make the difficult choice of what we want to go and see on any given evening, and, and that is, it's, it's just a joy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So let me go back just just one step. You were talking about French, and I know that you speak French as well. You're not only a beautiful dancer, you're you're so amazing to watch. Honestly, uh, I'm taking classes from you and from your partner, uh, Christina, and my children are taking classes from you, ballet (laughs) and modern dance and hip-hop, and they are absolutely amazed, and and you you really have such grace and such elegance and such poise, and oh, I... I just I oh love the sit watch you day. dance. Beautiful, you. beautiful dancer, amazing dancer. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought of praising <laughs> you. Um, so, so, but I know that you also speak French. And one of the things that the kids have reported back is that you really explain everything to the children. And I found that very refreshing. You explain what the words mean. You give yes. a little historical background to where this <laughs> yes. move came from. Yes. Um, you you make you make ballet alive. You you explain to them how it developed. You you let them uh, live it. So so would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Well, that that comes from my upbringing. Never use a word that you don't know the meaning Very of. Very good. <laughs> Never speak if you don't know exactly what it is you're saying, and uh, and that was a rule in our household. So. Um, I, I just kind of carry that through to my, my classes because all of the vocabulary in a ballet class is in French. But modern and jazz and ballroom, they've taken from that ballet vocabulary. So um, plié, bending, it's the first thing we do at the bar. So I ask my students, what do we do when we plié? Well, we bend our knees, we, we're bending our ankles. It's absolutely, plié means to bend. On plie un feuille de papier. You <laughs> fold or you bend a piece of paper. It is a real word. It's not just a ballet word. So all of the ballet vocabulary, every single word, tells the dancer exactly what they're supposed to be doing. It's not in English. It's in French. Because Louis XIV spoke French. Hence, it's in France. It's in French, and so all the students get it. It's like, okay, we're learning French. And one of the things that is highly beneficial to those students who get to choose a foreign language in middle school, those who have studied ballet already have a very, very good ear for it. And they understand some very basic terms. And there's no fear of learning new words in French because they've been raised on it. So um, there's, there's just a lot of kind of life value in understanding what you're doing. And I think ballet is so full of life. Well, and as dance is, it's vital. And dance is vital to so many cultures. It's, it's essential to cultures. Religiously, in celebratory times, dance is a foundation. And we'd like to make that happen more here in the United States <laughs> and in the Midwest. But we're doing it in our own space, and we are celebrating our students. So you studied French as well. Mm-hmm. Oui, um, je me suis spécialisée en français à l'université, mais je n'ai pas l'occasion de parler chaque jour, puis je, j'ai perdu beaucoup de mon vocabulaire. Et c'est dommage, mais, mais c'est, comme ça. c'est la vie. Hein? C'est la vie. C'est la vie. Ouais. Et vous avez toujours un accent euh, très, euh, très, très marqué, très, très français, très Merci. correct. J'ai, j'ai, j'ai passé beaucoup de vacances d'été avec ma tante France à Paris, uh, et j'ai uh, suivi des classes de ballet à l'Opéra de Paris. Ah, oui. ah vous avez suivi des, des cours à... Ah, oui. Oui. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, you did not. 
Yes, I did. You you danced with the with the with the. I, no, I studied classes. Oh, you studied in the summer. Thing. In the summer times, uh, all of the Paris Opera students would go away to other uh, countries, other schools to to train, and so I would come from the United States, and I would spend a few weeks in the Netherlands with my grandparents and my cousins, and then I would go to Paris, and I would spend a few weeks with Aunt France. She lived in the Neuvième Arrondissement, and I would hop on the metro, and. Go spend the day taking classes at the opera, oh. and oh, it was a dream! Oh. It was amazing, and uh, and so I would spend uh, you know weeks during the summer taking amazing classes in an amazing facility at that time, and it's even more amazing now with all of the renovation they've done. So there, all the choreography, all the instructions would have been in French, <laughs> completely in French. Mm -hmm. How yes. was that different for you? Just uh, even though you spoke French, how was that different for you as a dancer? All of a sudden, taking being immersed, being being immersed not only in the well, being immersed in the the country, the, the language, culture, the, the culture, but also the dance per se. Oh, it was marvelous! It was marvelous! It really was! It was! It was! Uh, Were there any difficulties in in in? Um, I, I imagine, I'm not a dancer, but I imagine as a dancer you have to understand what is expected of you, especially in ballet, what is expected of you technically, what is expected of you mm. as far as form is concerned, so, so you have to first uh, respond to these very strict and, and explicit demands. And after that comes the beauty and the interpretation and the, and the artistry of it. Mm. Um, is there a difficulty in, in taking instruction in a language that is not your native uh, language, um, and that, or, or not at all? No, for, for me there really wasn't a, a problem. Now, I did take classes at one point in Sweden that was a little more difficult because I don't speak Swedish. And was that instruction in English or in French? The instruction was in French, in French, but your corrections were in yeah. Swedish, right? Oh, yeah. and, and so mm -hmm. uh, that, that was a little more challenging, mm -hmm. but no, I, it, it was beautiful in the French. But I had one really delightful experience, and we laughed. Um, I still laugh about it. I was in class with a choreographer um, and, and master instructor, Peter van Dyck, and he was the choreographer at La Scala with Carla Fracci at the time, La Fracci. Mm -hmm. And and he was a guest teacher there at the su at the summer classes for the Paris Opera, and I was in class and he was teaching, of course, and we were doing something, and he said something in Dutch under his breath, and I laughed because you understood, and I understood him, and he whipped around, <sighs> and he looked at me and he says, "Play to Nederlands." Oh, he said, "Jan beetje meneer, yeah," and he said. So he basically he was saying, "Okay, you're American. You you're taking my class here. I'm speaking French, but you understand Dutch. Where did you come from? Right? Because really, Dutch and French is sort of an unusual mix from an American kid. And uh, and so uh, we we did. He said, "Now I have to be more careful about what I say, <laughs> thinking no one's going to understand." So it was that that was that was just a, a cute moment uh, for me and. Uh, But yeah, it was it was just a fabulous, fabulous experience, and and all but all of the students, you know, when you're in class, uh, and and I have to say, my training at the conservatory here in Kansas City was was Russian training. It was extremely strict, and and we had a very a very definite understanding of what was expected 
of us in class. So anywhere you go, I mean, that's what you do. And and so with with that, you know, we all we all apply our strongest technique. All of all of us, all all of us students did. And um, and and again, you know, you're you're focused on yourself. You're not worried about who across the room is doing anything. You're working on your own uh, development. And it, it was a marvelous time because it was very, uh, in a way, it was very selfish time. It was our time. And we were working to grow as artists and to grow as young athletes and, and to learn as much as we possibly could. And we would go home at the end of the day thoroughly exhausted but happy. Wonderful. Great. In closing, mm -hmm. could I get you to give advice to dancers and uh, one last message to your students at the conservatory. Mm. Love your time in the classroom. Leave all of the, the cares and concerns that you might have for school, for family, for friends out in the lobby with your dance bag. When you come into the studio, it is your time. It is your time to discover what you are capable of doing. And that is a very, very personal time. And it is a time to be treasured because in life, there are many things that come along to distract us. But when we have the opportunity to spend time focusing in a positive way on ourselves, this is a gift. So follow your heart, be happy in class, work for yourself. And, and see what you can accomplish. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Dr. J. Thank you, Michelle. I'll join you again in a second. Let's cut to an interview I had the chance to conduct with one of Michelle's students, the brilliant and absolutely beautiful Kylie Price. Hello, I'm Kylie Price. I I'm from Overland Park, so I've danced at Crescendo ever since it was open. I've danced with Michelle since I was like two and a half. Um, and I currently am at the University of Oklahoma pursuing um, a dual degree in ballet and math. And math. yes, math. <laughs> um, a little unexpected. I have to interrupt it. Why math? Um, I've always, well, not always, I guess, but since middle school, I was like really intrigued by it. And I just kind of, I found it like, a super interesting topic and it has always been my favorite subject. So um, then when I was looking at what I wanted to do, because I know that ballet is not a very, um, I don't know what you'd say, a very reliable Safe. career. Reliable. Yes. Okay. Um, so I knew that I needed to have, I wanted, always wanted to go to college, but I needed to have another, like a backup, a plan B for if I, when I get injured or even just retiring, most ballet dancers retire at a pretty relatively young age. So, um, when I was looking into that, my mom mentioned epidemiology and, uh, it sounded really interesting. It's the study of how diseases progress. Um, so then we went and talked to the people at OU and we talked to someone from the epidemiology department and from the math department, and they both agreed that math would be a very good fit for that. So my plan is to graduate um, and then go dance professionally for 
however long and then go back and get my master's um, in epidemiology and then pursue that. Wonderful. Now tell us a little bit more about your dancing career. We're at a dance conservatory and yes. you are, I think, preparing your audition tape. Yes. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm about to go film um, some segments uh, to submit to um, summer intensives. So there's summer training programs and they usually last from like two to five weeks. It's like the average intensive. Um, and I've been going since I was like, I think 11. So yeah, it's really like nice way to get exposure to just new teachers and new styles. And also you like definitely mature a lot throughout How the process. I'm 18. You're 18. Yes. So, so, and you've been going to the University of Oklahoma already? Or? I'm a freshman. You're a freshman yes, this year? So you've been going year. for half, eight, for half yeah, a, for for semester. semester for yes. one semester. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when do you find out if you got the, if you, if you were taken for the intensive? So I haven't, um, I'll submit them. And then I should find out, like, sometime in the spring, usually. Sometime in the spring. Okay. And Michelle has helped you the, the whole way through. You, yes, you, you definitely. You basically learned everything from Crescendo. Uh-huh. Yes. It's really, it's really been great. I've, it, I've not only grown as a dancer, but also as a person. And I really, like, love the environment here. I have to ask you one more question, if I may. If I may. Mm-hmm. So do you speak French? Um, un peu. <laughs> but you know everything that Michelle taught you. Yes. The, the history of ballet and mm-hmm. all of the classical positions. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And I took French throughout high school, but I'm definitely not fluent or, <laughs> but yeah. So Kylie Price, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Kylie. And I wish you continued success in both your academic and your dance careers. And now back to Michelle Hamlet-Vite. Oh, yeah. So you just spoke for a bit with my former student, Kylie Price. Yes, Kylie is uh, is auditioning for summer uh, intensive placement. And her three choices, the, the uh, videos that she will be sending, uh, will be to Katzban and San Francisco Ballet and Paris Opera. Wow. So, so she was very modest. I uh, she just she talked is, about the the Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, the, oh, and, and then, she's oh, done wow, very wow. very well there. Just completing her first semester freshman year, and uh, and you know I hope now she can stay calm for a while and digest everything that she got in that first semester, which I'm sure she will because that's her modus operandi, and uh, and go back with renewed vigor. I know for her second semester, but also a very smart girl. She's, oh, she's majoring, majoring in math, in math and, and hoping and to do a master's dance. in epidemiology. So, yeah. oh, well. yes, <laughs> the backup plan B. You plan, know, plan, when, when 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 she can't dance anymore, when she can't she's dance doing, anymore right. next to next to teaching ballet. Yeah, no. <laughs> she's, it, it will be it's it will be fascinating to see what she does end up doing. Uh, but you know, it, she's a success, no matter what she does. Uh, you know, just she just has such a, a tremendous work ethic, and and that is so very important in life. So yeah, needless to say, I'm very proud of her. And she's and she, an elegant, elegant child, uh, beautiful dancer. You know, beautiful has has a, a, a warmth and such a, a delightful charisma on stage. And she grew up at Crescendo. Yes, she's been yes, she's ballet here since she yes, was two she and a half. Little, so she's been she studying one of with Christina and me since she was two. Yeah, just just barely three. Wow. Yeah. So you you see Delightful. so many dancers grow up mm-hmm. 
Well, and that's why. That's one of the reasons that I do what I do is is I I love to see that. I love to see these, what, you know, it's like you have no idea what potential people have, you know, and you see these amazing children, and they are amazing. And as children, they soak everything up like a sponge. You can teach a child anything from age, you know, to, well, from birth to age eight, pop, languages, science, dance, I mean, everything. And they absorb it, and it becomes part of, you know, the, the, the DNA. It's amazing. And, and then to watch them grow and to see what things they choose, what passions, you know, call them. And you just, you know, you have this infant package, you think it's a blessing, absolutely. You have no idea what they're going to choose to do in life, you know, but it's important to expose them to things. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Michelle and Kylie. I would like to sign out now and leave you in closing with another wonderful lesson from Michelle. I want to do an exercise, and this is this is an exercise beyond, not a combination. Um, as dancers, we work on, on, of course, our technique. We study several different styles, and in the world of dance, it is actually more complex than the way I'm going to describe it right now, but this is very basic. We have four major schools. The French school, which was the first, thank you, Louis XIV. Then we have Italian school. Then we have the Russian school and the American school. And within those schools of training, there are very specific focuses, but very specific ways to execute movements that are the movement is similar, but not exactly the same between those four schools. I hope this makes sense. So we're going to do frappe. Take frappe. Frappe means to strike. So it is a gentle striking of the floor with the ball of the foot. As the foot, the ball of the foot strikes the floor, the entire foot extends and then retracts back to a demi sur le coup de pied where the foot is, the ball of the foot is relaxed, toes are relaxed, and you strike again to full extension, draw back, strike, draw back. It is done with the soft ball of the foot and the pads of the toes touching the floor. Then we're going to do the frappe in the more Russian style, which is done with a very athletic flex and a sharp strike. Flex and a sharp strike. From there, we're going to do the frappe exercise in the American style. George Balanchine came from uh, the Russian training, Mariinsky School, and then uh, was with the Ballet Russe as choreographer, ballet master, and then came to the United States to found the School of American Ballet and the New York City Ballet. His desire was to create something different than what had been happening in Europe in ballet to, until this point. So he took the frappe and we begin with a full wrap sur le coup de pied to a gentle strike and then wrap back to sur le coup de pied. Um, it requires that the knee and thigh pull back very uh, quickly with precise placement. So we'll take um, 
four frappé en croix. For the exercise four frappé en croix, we'll do our first en croix set in the French style. We will do the second frappé en croix in the Russian with the flex. We will do the third set in the American style with the wrap sur le bout de pied. And of course, within each of these major schools, there are different styles within the Italian school, within the French school, within the Russian school. And, and it's fascinating. It is totally, as we all know, a world unto its own. Um, now, we did not do the Italian. The Italian, the foot is more of a sur le coup de pied. It gently brushes out to a point, and it is more like a kiss than a strike. As we know, the Italians are passionate and these people love to kiss. So it's not a surprise that the Italian style would be more of a, of a what did I say, a kiss to the floor than a stripe to the floor. And, uh, but that will be for another class, right? <laughs> Thank you for humoring me.